What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Master Kenobi, always chasing after Skywalker. How predictable. Anakin leaves quite a mess, which always leads me to you, Ventress. Sith. I am Mike Pilot with my co-host Brian Young and Holly Fry. And you know, Holly, it's time to go to the dentist. It is. It's two thirty. Ah, a dad joke. Oh, dad oh you're hurting joke. me. <laughs> gonna have to issue you for that one, Mike. You know, I really didn't plan on that. It just came out of my head. <laughs> most dad, jo- most dad jokes do just uh, to require no thought. They just pop out, and then you're sort of embarrassed. Yeah, we're pretty lame. It's the truth. I get told all the time how lame I am. Anyway, we're going to talk some Star Wars tonight. We're all back together. And um, Brian, why don't you uh, fill in everybody what we will be discussing today? So uh, there's been a lot swirling about the the prospect of an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And uh, we'll kind of give you a brief overview of the news there and what you should worry about and what you shouldn't worry about. But we thought that that would be a good, a good uh, time to have a broader discussion about Obi-Wan as a character, not necessarily anything about the rumored film, but uh, just how we feel about Obi-Wan as a character, how that might have changed over the years uh, recently with uh, things. And this covers all Obi. It could be Ewan McGregor. It could be Alec Guinness. It could be James Arnold Taylor. Any Obi-Wan. Could yeah. Be. Yeah. So for people who aren't aware necessarily, a Hollywood Reporter put out a story um, that uh, it looked like a uh, um, film was being talked about at Lucasfilm and uh, they uh, said that Stephen Daldry uh, was in talks to direct an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie and Daldry uh, came from the world of theater and he debuted in movies with 2000's Billy Elliot and he's directed movies like The Hours and The Reader uh, and uh, he did Netflix's period drama The Crown Mm-hmm. Um, so basically everybody ran with that story and said Lucasfilm confirmed the next Obi-Wan Kenobi movie but that wasn't a confirmation right no it wasn't at all so so just so people know how this worked this is not a confirmation whatsoever that this movie is happening that this movie is moving forward that this movie is greenlit um Lucasfilm has conversations with lots of people about lots of different movies. You know, do you remember the rumors back in the day that Zack Snyder was talking to them about a Seven Samurai like uh, style Jedi movie? I remember yes. that. And I thought it was real. I thought it was happening. Yeah, I don't recall hearing anything about that film. Yeah, um, again, <laughs> and I would really never like to hear about that film again <laughs> unless somebody else is directing it. But 
the point is is uh, when the trades blow big news like that, it's to try to uh, help their client actually book those jobs, right? So it's like the agents or people close to the people are the ones leaking that info that they're talking about things. But a conversation is not a confirmation. I have no doubt that Stephen Daldry talked to Lucasfilm about things. And if he did, those talks are very, very early because the earliest we could be seeing this movie is 2020. Yeah. And it's taking about two years, between two and three years to make a Star Wars film. And, uh, you know, my guess is this could be later than that. It could be sooner than that. I mean, maybe maybe an announcement is forthcoming, but uh, it looks like the best we've got is that the, these are early talks and talks are not confirmations. As it stands now, it could be any of those things. And I think personally, and I know you guys probably agree with me, it brings up the conversation that a lot of people would like to see an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. So that's nice. And I think if there's a lot of good outpour of positivity towards that possible announcement, I think it's a good way to judge what people want to see. Yeah. 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 The so, hope, I think, you know, right. As, as Brian said, when these things get leaked is that there will be sort of this almost grassroots movement of excitement of people going, yes, finally we get this. And then that will help sort of feed the machine and make Lucasfilm go, oh, yeah, we really should greenlight this. Look at how excited people are. And wasn't there, I don't know if it was in the article I read or the many conversations I've had with people in the last two or three days, or if it does exist, did did Ewan McGregor say that he would be interested in being in an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? He says that about every week whenever he's doing <laughs> press for really anything else. That's true. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. Pretty much every time he goes on to a red carpet, somebody asks, do you want to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? And he says, yeah, I'd love to. Lucasfilm knows how to get a hold of me. And that's that. And he's been he's been doing that since they announced there would be standalone films. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, he'd be he's at a good age right now where he could play a mid age Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Yep. But I but would, we don't know if any of that's going to happen. No, I wouldn't be surprised if an Obi-Wan movie. I mean, think about the director involved, Stephen Daldry. And think about the sort of costume political uh, palace drama that he can pull off. Sure. And think about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon dealing with Satine in the Mandalore Wars. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when, when Daldry's name came up. I'm like, ah, the crown guy. Really good at doing exactly what Brian just said, like the, the high intrigue palace drama. So we'll see. So the question I'd like to ask you two. What is it you think about that's that it, there is about Obi-Wan Kenobi's character that makes people want a standalone film with him? Not that not what we think the standalone film might be, but what is it about his character and everything we've seen from the films, the cartoons, the books that makes people feel like we need this? Holly, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I think Obi-Wan is in this unique position that almost no other character really quite holds, particularly if you're talking about characters outside of like Han, Luke and Leia, like the classic three that people really have a long-term attachment to, which is that he is, I won't say this in an absolute sense, but he is almost universally liked. You know what I mean? Like there are always discussions that come up with almost any character and, you know, we're all in fandom. So we've had them where someone will go, no, I hate that character because blah, blah, blah. And everybody's, you know, got their own opinion, which is cool. 
Uh, but Obi-Wan has that unique thing where almost everyone really likes him. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even you can acknowledge that he was a liar in some ways. He isn't a neutral character. Like he's not someone that's like, I love everyone. He will step up and join the fight when he has to, but he has something about him that is so charming and winsome that everyone kind of just adores him. I think for me and, and maybe a lot of other people having this conversation a few times, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the every man. I mean, he's the most, to me, the most human in, in Star Wars because he's been thrusted into things that he didn't agree to or particularly want to do as far as training Anakin. He has had to tell lies to make good things possibly happen. He has stumbled and, and fallen and picked himself up many times. He's had to pretty much dismantle somebody that he looked at like a brother. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi is, has really felt all the possible emotions throughout the Star Wars that you see Obi-Wan in more, more so than a lot of the other characters. And like you said, Holly, I was going to bring that up too. I've never come across a person that said, I hate Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I was just going to build on what you said. Um, he really is when you consider him as an everyman character, he is like the best of us, like, you know, aspirational character that everyone would love to be sure. as skilled and cool and kind and compassionate and level-headed as Obi-Wan. Like very few can achieve it. But yeah, he's he's super cool, Brian. Well, I think um, you know, I think I think what you were saying is part of it. Where you'll have people who say like, "I didn't like the prequels," um, which hurts my heart a little bit, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to like whatever it is they're allowed to like. Um, they will almost always acknowledge that Ewan McGregor was the best thing about those movies. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so I think that's part of it. But I think the other part of it is that uh, he's so iconic and important. He was one of the first characters that people fell in love with. He was the, the, he was the character when the first reviews of A New Hope came out that everybody roundly praised as one of the best characters. You know, all the reviews were like, Alec Guinness was great. Everybody yeah. else, not as much. <laughs> um, and, and so we've always been fascinated with him. And that mm-hmm. crosses the generations of prequel fans and classic trilogy fans and just now this new generation of fans who grew up on Clone Wars. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan in Clone Wars is, is a much more deep and fascinating character knowing that he would have left the Jedi Order for Satine and knowing his vulnerabilities and knowing how conflicted he was about the situations the Jedi Council kept asking to put anakin in and the relationship between obi-wan and anakin i think that there's so much interesting material there to explore for that character that it could be interesting even if he ends up even even if we spend an hour reading his diaries of being on tatooine (laughs) yeah i agree uh and i think one of the things that like i was saying earlier he has all the ingredients but there is just that like inherent warmth and humor to him that tempers anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Like you want to know an Obi-Wan who wouldn't love to have him in their life. Yeah. I've always loved Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character. I've been Brian. I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you were saying with the newer fans and, and the Clone Wars, the, the entire relationship Obi-Wan has with everybody in the Clone Wars, whether it be Ventress or Darth Maul and Savage press or, I don't know where exactly where I'm going with this, but 
so much more has come out from Obi-Wan Kenobi for me from the Clone Wars and uh, the humor that he has, even when he's at uh, rough odds with Savage Press and Darth Maul fighting them in a, in like a cave uh, with Hondo's crew around. I, you just you can't help but root for Obi-Wan Kenobi, even though sometimes I'm rooting for the bad guy. Yeah, I would really love to see. Uh, there's a lot of room, I think, in seeing Obi-Wan continue to explore like anything any facet of his life whether we go through and um i was really fascinated that he was sort of like the ideal student to qui-gon headstrong but willing to learn um i really want to know more about padawan obi-wan a lot more well yeah and and i'd also like that i don't think it could um a whole movie could cover that period of time but i would like to see him on tatooine i'd like to see him what little relationship he has with Luke in that time, but can't have a whole movie based upon just that period. So certainly you could. Yeah, uh, you totally could get a little long in the tooth. Well, (laughs) I I don't, I don't think so. That presumes that like he never talked to anybody or did anything, but like, even though it's not part of the new Canon, but it's part of legends, you know, the John Jackson Miller, Obi-Wan book is an excellent example of how you can tell stories within that that are, are really compelling and pretty interesting and exciting. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're absolutely right. But kind of the whole seeing Star Wars when I was younger and watching it 550,000 times, one of the things that's always um, connected, well, not connected me, but made me like Obi-Wan was him being that hermit, him being alone, him making that sacrifice to be on planet, to keep an eye on Luke and maybe not every night he's down at the cantina and playing, you know, dice or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I like well, that, I that think, idea of that sacrifice. But I think it's the John Jackson Miller book showed us a part of the character where, and I think this is a really interesting thing that we don't get explored enough in Star Wars. He spends his life learning how to be a superhero and he has to instantly go to um, Tatooine and unlearn all of that. Mm. he can't be the person who jumps like if you watch him through the clone wars he jumps into action whenever he is needed hello there he tries to be cautious about it but he (laughs) will jump into it um and on tatooine he's being asked to do the opposite on tatooine as a jedi he's asked to put the good of everyone else above the concerns of his self yeah and that means being that hero to anyone who needs it and when he goes to Tatooine, he's being asked, be a hero only to Luke. This is the last hope the galaxy has to save itself. None of the rest of that makes sense. And that's a conflict in him that he has to learn and reconcile and deal with. And I think that conflict, as portrayed in the, the John Jackson Miller books, is, is fascinating. Yeah. So let me ask you this, though. Let's say that R2 gets to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke is not involved in any way whatsoever. Does Obi-Wan still go try to help Princess Leia? Or is it only because Luke is now involved that that happens? I, I don't know. I think that's that's an interesting idea. Do you think he would have left if he couldn't have gone with Luke? Would he have grabbed Luke on the way out and said, hey, you don't know me. <laughs> There's some crazy business going on, and we need you to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility, too. I, I think for how Obi-Wan has always been, he takes a look at over the over the desert at Luke. Oh, everything looks okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. I don't know. Well, I think that was the decision Bail Organa was making, right? Where it was like, we don't have time to wait on this anymore. Yeah. 
and which is why he called for him in the first place, which is why I love that moment in Rogue One so much. That that subtle mm-hmm. nod to Obi Wan was so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um but think about how dire the situation made that where Bail Organa's like, forget the kid, we gotta go. Yeah. A lot going on at the end of Rogue One. Yeah. They could also do an Obi-Wan movie on Tatooine as a screwball comedy of him talking to Qui-Gon's ghost. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty funny, too. Uh, actually seeing Obi-Wan with Ezra and Darth Maul in the last season of uh, Rebels. Yeah. I mean, I guess that a lot of little things like that could have happened, could have gone on to protect Luke. Like, nothing's ever gotten to Luke, and Obi-Wan was there to protect him. So how many things actually came to Tatooine to take care of Luke? Yeah. 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 Well, and the the other, I, I want to ask you both, uh, what your favorite iteration of Obi-Wan is. Is it the young Obi-Wan? Is it the um, master bickering parent uh, Clone Wars sort of Obi-Wan? Is it the much more confident master of Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith? Or is it the sly old swords, you know, master swordsman in A New Hope? I would like to say, because I've kind of said it earlier, that older Obi-Wan from the original movie would have been my favorite, but this is why I like all the people that have done Obi-Wan over the years so much. Um, I really like episode two, episode three, Obi-Wan. I liked what he has to, what he has to do and, and the pain that he has to go through to do it. I, I really enjoy the Clone Wars Obi-Wan um, probably the most. There's just so much more of Obi-Wan that we get because throughout the saga, there's little things here and there, but, as far as Clone Wars goes, there's lots of arcs where he isn't with Anakin, where, where something else is going on, and the relationships that he has with the people around him. So probably the Clone Wars version. I loved his relationship with Ventress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that was one of the most interesting pairings I think they could have ever gone for in Star Wars and, and how they called each other, you know, how he called her my sweet, and things like that, where it's like, it's this really sarcastic. Yeah, really funny dialogue yeah. going back and forth what what about you holly favorite favorite iteration of obi-wan i keep thinking about it and i keep coming back to um attack of the clones obi-wan i love and it's it's the little moments right I, like i love that he knows people like dexter jetster and they clearly have a, a friendship that that we had never had any idea about but that he could just stroll in and Dex is so happy to see him and their buddy buddy. I love that he will walk into a bar and know there's some business about to go down and he's like, I'm just going to belly up to the bar. I'm going to get a cocktail and we're going to see what's what. Like, I love those parts of him the most. They're kind of small and quiet, but they evidence somebody who has spent his life making a lot of interesting connections and doing a lot of things that make him at ease in almost any situation and able to reach out to a very wide network of people. To me, that's the fascinating part of him. He's a very cool character. The only part about Obi-Wan in episode two that I don't like is when Anakin kind of gets the sense that those centipedes are about to get to, to Padme, and then all of a sudden, Obi-Wan's like, I feel it too. Like, the back and forth between them two, because Anakin may be getting a little more advanced, like Obi-Wan have, <laughs> having to be the master, he has to kind of stay ahead of that mentally and not so much force-wise, you know? I think he did sense it also, though. 
Um, oh. I, the only thing I dislike about Attack of the Clones Obi-Wan is his beard in about half the shots. Oh, yeah. But we're working outside of that and just the character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about your Obi-Wan, Brian? Um, my Obi-Wan, it's hard. I, I think it's probably, to be honest, I think it's Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan. Right? Because he is that exact line between the two Obi-Wans we know and love, and he's a perfect balance between them. The father or the master apprentice relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin is, I think, at its best through that whole fight through the invisible hand, um, where they have the best banter they had in any of the movies. They had all of that kind of stuff. And uh, I just love his cool confidence. Like that, you can't beat the Obi-Wan who drops down into a sea of battle droids and chides General Grievous with a simple, sly, hello there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's just like this glee on his face throughout that whole thing up until Order 66 that I just love. But on the other hand, I really, really love man, like the 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 eminence arcs when Maul takes out his revenge on him and kills Satine. Mm. And he's feeling so much and I love it. Um so I think that end of the Clone Wars, beginning of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan is my favorite. Which is weird. Which, which the fact that we've all picked prequel Obi-Wan is, is our favorite in some way, I think lends some credence to the idea that we probably won't get Obi-Wan living on a, a dirt farm <laughs> for a movie. I have to say about Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan, you have Padme telling Anakin that she's breaking his heart and everything that's happening, you know, and you're supposed to feel that, you know, sense of sadness for her. It's more so sadness for Obi-Wan. His heart was broken more. Anakin really did him bad, Holly. He did. I mean, it. it's certainly a longer relationship, right? Like, they have more history. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. And he's put in such a horrible position, right? Yeah. Where, like, here is a person that I love as a, a sibling, as a colleague. And I have to mow him down, basically. Like, the galaxy's fate depends on it. What a garbage position for somebody to have to be in. Yeah, it's... How do you even how do you even live with that? But And he does, for a very long time, all that on his mind. But I just... You know, the things that the, the Jedi Council just kept asking him to for Anakin to do. I mean, just putting him in that position. Believing in the, the Jedi Council and saying Anakin, like, I'm not the one asking you this. It's... You know, it's them, but him he's still in that position being the one asking or telling. Yeah. Obi-Wan just always, throughout the movies, he's just been in a bad situation over and over and over again. And not saying, like, my life is terrible or horrible or anything like that, but you can really appreciate Obi-Wan for, like we said earlier, he's just, like, you would hope that you would handle the situations as coolly or as well as he has tried to do, but he's been very human with his mistakes and trying to make up for him. Yeah. And and I think that that's vital. I think that that's something that's interesting in that Obi-Wan is constantly learning, right? The first thing we really get from Obi-Wan um, on his own is Qui-Gon telling him, Qui-Gon giving him a lesson and then telling the uh, Jedi Council he still has much to learn. And every time we see Obi-Wan, whether that's in a movie or whether that's on Clone Wars or whether that's in Rebels, he's taken a next step in his education to the point where, you know, when Vader cuts him down, 
he has learned even more. Um, and I think that's what's so fascinating about him. I mean, he was a lifelong student, even though he was the master. Well, he had a lot of free time on Tatooine to, le- to learn that skill. That's true. <laughs> a long time. Like Obi-Wan probably spent more time on Tatooine than anywhere else. Right. Doesn't I think the Tatooine thing is a part of his mystique that makes him, to many people, certainly to me, like a superhuman character. Like I cannot imagine spending so much time primarily alone. We don't know how many interactions he had with locals, but primarily alone and not going absolutely mad. Mm-hmm. Yet he did and then when suddenly random farm boy who he knows is not random but shows up at his house like the moment in all of this uh or what you know when he finds him in the desert anyway like he deals with this situation with such equanimity there's no oh my god i have been waiting for decades for this to play out (laughs) he's just very okay whereas i think most people would be not up to that challenge and i think we talked about this on the show a lot of times, Brian, going back years, but as far as like an Obi-Wan movie being on Tatooine, like an old dirty Western would actually pretty be pretty cool. Yeah, no, that would be really cool. There's I mean, what had Bane in there? And I mean, that's the thing, like Jabba the Hutt is there on Tatooine. All of Boba Fett is there. That whole crime underworld thing is there. You've got sand people there. There is no limit to the amount of things that could happen problematically to Obi-Wan while he's there yeah, and make it a really cool Western, which is why I loved John Jackson Miller's Kenobi book so much. That might be another one of my favorite moments of Obi-Wan, just him learning to not be a hero in that, that way Shane did. I mean, that Kenobi book really is a retelling of Shane. Oh yeah. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen that movie, I would recommend it highly. Um, not just for this though, but because having a thorough understanding of Shane, even though they did a really good job of contextualizing it, makes that new, uh, the most recent Wolverine movie that much better. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and that's really the same story too. Like how do you learn to back off and not be a hero and not get involved and then keep getting drawn in? Um, and you know, Wolverine ended up sacrificing his life for it. Obi-Wan ended up sacrificing his life for it. It's deep, Brian. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so who would you say, and I, you know, you can say favorites or, or not, but who would you say played your favorite Obi-Wan, Brian? Oh, man. Like, that's a Sophie's Choice question. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because, because there's things about each of them that I really love. I really love all of the humor and warmth that Ewan McGregor brought to it. Like, that glee that we talked about earlier. I really love the depth that James Arnold Taylor gave it and the gravitas that Alec Guinness gave it. Certainly. No, I I, could, I don't think I could actually. I mean, I've said in the past I love James Arnold Taylor's Obi-Wan, and it's pretty much the most that I've gotten. So for me, it's not as hard to say, but I don't think that I could say with 100% certainty that this is my favorite. And I don't think a lot of people can. It's a hard question. I can't yeah. at all. I mean, I have to be wishy-washy on this one because it is just like Brian said. It's like the second I go, oh, I think it's you. No, because then they're, oh, but then also <laughs> I can't. I cannot do it. I don't know. I hope I handle the rest of my life into my aging years with as much grace as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think we all hope that. Yeah. Not just that you do it. But 
No, these are all like, <laughs> all man, Mike needs some damn Obi-Wan grace. Right? I get it. We really hope Mike gets some grace in his life. I get it. I'm working on no. the nice beard, so no. it's it's getting gray. So I'm working on it. Is there any um, Obi-Wan moments that you don't particularly like? Like I said earlier, I, that one part in Attack of the Clones kind of rubs me the wrong way. Anything for you guys with that? I like I said, the only thing about Obi Wan through any of his iterations uh, is his beard in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, <laughs> that bugs me. Um, I don't know. There's not. I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes he makes really stupid decisions or really um, gets hung up on the wrong thing. And it's like those aren't the decisions I'd make or want him to make, but those are the makings of good drama. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's just like, oh man, Obi Wan, like, why couldn't you figure out who the chosen one really was? Was it Anakin? Was it Luke? Uh, why are you so resistant to the idea of it being Leia? Like that I disagree with his opinion on that through the course of his life doesn't mean like I like him any less. I think that's important to say it like that. I mean, so we're sitting here and we're mostly talking positivity about Obi Wan Kenobi and I think it's important that you said it that way. That that it's cool that he did some stupid stuff that yeah. we disagree with and still like him. Yeah. I think that's true of, uh, I don't know, I, I lost it. <laughs> it's okay, I've been doing that all week. Again, it's the gray hair. Right. So where do you want the conversation to go to next, Brian? Uh, well, I you know, um, I was wondering about favorite episode of Clone Wars. Like, we had more Obi-Wan, and people kind of forget this, right? Like, James Arnold Taylor has done more Obi-Wan Kenobi than every other person depicting him um, combined. combined. Mm -hmm. So seeing that we have that breadth of Obi-Wan during the single largest, most important conflict the galaxy's had in a thousand years, what's a particularly favorite moment from that? So we see Obi-Wan in episode one, cut them all down and thinking that that's the end of it. But that constant over the Clone Wars of Maul trying to get his revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then finally down the road, we see on, you know, Rebels, what happens. Somebody didn't watch the end of Rebels yet. I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, that whole season where it's the back and forth between Maul and Obi-Wan and Maul making all of these plans to get back at Obi-Wan. And then that episode where Satine dies and him being, you know, having to go through that and being jailed and. I like that whole thing. I, you know, it's it's sad that I like something so sad or something so horrifically terrible, but that's what I would pick. What about you? Your favorite Clone Wars appearance of Obi Wan? Um, I you know it's the whole Satine arc, uh, because there is when we as the audience realize that there is this whole secret part of his life that he, you know potentially would have completely changed his path and thus in many ways the path of the galaxy. It adds such a level of depth that I remember when I watched it being like, oh my God. Like it was such a big information bomb and something that we had not ever really, you know, thought about. But I think that's gotta be my favorite because it just added so much to his character. Brian? Well, um, I really, I love his continuing conflict with Maul, right? I love all that stuff. 
uh, with Satine. And I think that moment where he actually says, I would have left the Jedi, um, um, the Jedi order. Um, like, I think that's all brilliant and beautiful and perfect and probably is my favorite. But since you two covered it so well, I think it's probably his relationship with Maul. Um, and how they keep coming into contact with one another. And you, you look that Obi-Wan keeps managing to beat him by learning and Maul never learns. So by the time we get to Rebels and you see that Obi-Wan has learned so much and Maul hasn't learned anything, um, that, that, that's that dark that I love. Another question while you're talking about that, because it's something sparked my mind from what you were saying in the beginning of that about Obi-Wan, uh, his importance, how important he is throughout all of these stories. If there was no Obi-Wan or if Obi-Wan would have been brought down by Darth Maul in episode one, do you think there is another character in star Wars that could have taken that Obi-Wan role and, and kept things going forward and safe and the galaxy not completely collapsing in on itself? Or do you think with the loss of Obi-Wan early in the story, the whole story ends a completely different way for the worst? Well, yeah, I think, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is key to that. Although it would have been interesting how much, how much of it would turn out that uh, if Qui-Gon had ended up being in the Obi-Wan Kenobi role. Right. But I guess my original question is, do you think that somebody else could have stepped into that role of all the characters we do know about? Is there somebody else who could have done that role or would we have been screwed? No, I think, I think Obi-Wan did exactly what he he needed to do. Like Qui-Gon Jinn said, nothing happens by accident. Cool. Okay. Um, (laughs) It gets into such a weird space of speculation. That's why I'm completely silent. Because I'm like, yeah. I don't, you have to do a lot of rewriting. Like, I'm in the middle of that discussion in my head of like, okay, how much are we talking about just the story itself? And how much are we talking about the mechanics of making a film? You know what I mean? Yeah, no. The user are a lot more thinky than I am. Whereas <laughs> I would say, I don't think that it could have been this person. So, no, I get, I get where you're at. So I want to ask about your favorite scene, like Obi-Wan's favorite scene in the prequels. What's the scene that defines him most as a character for you? Well, it's like I keep keep going back to Attack of the Clones, because in addition to the ones that I mentioned earlier, then I think about his whole thing on Kamino and how we get so many clues to the man he is in the course of that whole mission, right? Where he shows up, he doesn't know what's going on but he totally does a fake it till you make it move and rolls with things as though he's like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I'm here. That's completely, I'm totally here for this. Um, Everything in that sequence to me, I just love about Obi-Wan. What about you, Mike? I'm sitting here and I'm trying to think of a scene or a moment. and, And there's a lot in those movies that I could say, I like him on Geonosis. I like his, his good job, his scene with, um, Dooku. And Dooku trying to convince him as being oh, Qui-Gon's a, master. That's that, a really good scene. Yeah, yeah it is. So like, there's a lot that happens in that scene. There's a lot of him showing himself and not believing. I, I, it's a really cool scene. And then and then we get from that movie, we get the uh, the scene where he's fighting the big praying mantis, which I like too. But no, that 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 <laughs> exactly. scene with that that scene with um with Dooku is really really intense. I have to say, for me, it's the scene in Revenge of the Sith where he goes to Padme's apartment and he basically tells her what's up and she realizes that he's going to kill him. Yeah. And his only answer, 
he's so good at not telling the truth or telling the truth from a certain point of view. And she says, you're going to kill him, aren't you? His only answer is, he has become a very grave threat. Yeah. Like, that's not a yes or a no. <laughs> like, that's a, you know, I might give him a chance. But but that whole scene, I think that's probably one of the best scenes in all the prequels. And in all of the movies, period. Um, just the way that scene has this gravity to it where, like, it's just pulling satellites down from orbit. There's so much gravity to it. And him stowing away to get to Mustafar. Oh, yeah. And that whole that whole trip in his mind, knowing that, you know, he might have to put Anakin down. And that, that he had the yeah. confidence in himself that he had to, that he could do what he had to do. It's crazy. That, that, he doesn't have that confidence, though. That's what I love about um, when he sees the video, when he sees the holographic recordings and turns to Yoda and says, send me to kill the Emperor. I cannot kill Anakin. You know, like that whole scene. Yeah. Like, um, there's you know how much this is going to hurt him, and I although Anakin lost three limbs, I think Obi Wan was hurt more in that deal. Yeah, just watching that 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 footage, uh, the, the heart, the I don't know, the pit in your stomach you would get is being Obi Obi Wan seeing that, not not being able to even grasp or believe in it. It's just, I think, just for being younger and watching that movie watching on you yeah. deal with that part like we've had like many discussions over that whole scene just stopping the movie and talking about it and like i've asked her in the past like what would you would you what would you have done if that was you what would you have done if that was you and i was anakin like do you think you'd believe it do you think that it, that it's real do you think somebody set him up or you know what i mean yeah well, it's you don't a, want it's to believe a lot. it it's a lot for someone who loves another person and knows them or feels them to be very good to try to digest. I, I mean, I can't fathom. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this, I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble talking about Obi-Wan for this episode because <laughs> as we're talking, like thousands of things are running through my head. And instead of wanting to talk about it, I'm just trying to process all these things as we're talking. Let me ask you two, do you think that he knew before that moment in Padme's apartment that the two of them were together? Yeah, I think he had an idea. I think he had a very good idea. Yeah, I would say he was probably 98% sure when he asked Padme about the pregnancy. Uh, but that 2% is more like, I don't want to assume... But all <laughs> the 2% is that the polite British, <laughs> right. like, exactly whatever. like that. Maybe I'm going to, I'm giving you it out. There's a 2% tunnel of exit here, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I think he's, I mean, he's got to have a clue. He's watched Anakin have his weird, like nervous. I'm so excited to see her again. And then sort of seen their relationship develop, even though he wasn't there for, you know, all of the private moments, obviously, but you know, he is seen this person who suddenly has like a very close friendship with the senator knowing that for years he was carrying a torch for her even as he was promising the jedi order that he would abstain from any such relationship but so he's got it isn't that sort of like the 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 mark of both a good father and a bad father though like he's He's Henry Jones Sr., right? Where it's just like, oh, you're going to make your own bad decisions. I'm teaching you self-reliance. 
you know, but on the other hand, it's like, I would also like to give you your privacy. Like, I don't think Anakin knew who the hell Dexter Jetster was. Right. You know, like Obi-Wan has his own friends and gets to hang out with his own other people. And Anakin has his group of people. And, but maybe I think, I wonder if that's why he was hesitant to, um, why he was hesitant to let him go and deal with Padme in that way. You know, when, when they're yeah, like, yeah, we're going to send him on his own mission. He's like, ah, guys, bad idea. Let's, yeah. let's back up here a second. And they're like, right. no, he can handle it. Right. <laughs> right. He's like the chaperone that wants to be cool, but knows like what's really going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, and, and I, what I love is how arrogant the, the Jedi Council is about it. Like, but that, that's, that's emblematic of their problems through the entire situation. Like, from Attack of the Clones forward, every decision they make, Obi-Wan's just like, hold on, guys. And they're like, no, you're wrong. Like, whether that's Anakin getting sent with Padme or escorting her to Naboo after the, after the war's begun or, uh, you know, in Revenge of the Sith when they're like, um, we need you to go tell him to spy on us. He's like, I don't like this idea either. Like, I'm not asking you to do this. The council's asking you. And he knows how he's going to react. And Palpatine knows how he's going to react. And I think Obi-Wan was more in tune with Anakin than anybody except for Palpatine. And even he couldn't imagine what he would become. Yeah, but if Anakin was this Padawan, the the council shouldn't have been sending him to, he should have never been again, Palpatine. Now, all that, of this is ridiculous. That comes from Obi-Wan cutting Anakin in that slack to have his own privacy. Like, okay, Obi-Wan's going to go hang out with people like Dexter Jetster, and Anakin's going to go like, hey, I'm going to hang out with the Chancellor. Yeah. Well, and there's a, a, you know, significant possibility that there was a long game to it of like, oh, the Chancellor seems to really love Anakin. Like, we should let that flower because we want to keep that connection in our pockets in case we need it, which they yeah. then try to exploit. How'd that work? Yeah, not so well. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did find out that he was a Sith Lord really quickly. That's true. They just didn't trust Anakin for that. But I mean, that's... I, Obi-Wan is is that, that example of how good parenting can backfire. You know, he, need, he needed to be just that much more engaged. Yeah, but the problem was is he wasn't Anakin's dad. Well, he was the closest thing he had to a father. Yeah, but that's not... That wasn't his responsibility. The responsibility isn't to parent Anakin; it's to be a it's to be a mentor and to train him in the ways of the Jedi. But what is a parent but to train your children into independence? Je- I am no Jedi, Brian. So you just right. you're like I'm a I'm a good dad, but I'm no Jedi. <laughs> well, and consider, I mean, within the construct of the way the Jedi Order works, like there is no dad, right? So really, the yeah. mentor does take that role. Yeah. Yeah, but he was too well, young but, to be a but, dad figure for Anakin. The dad figure was Qui-Gon. Or Palpatine. But I think Obi-Wan did as best he could in, in all of those situations. Absolutely. I, I, I would never dispute that. That's, that's part of the tragedy of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, wh- why don't we talk about his reputation as a filthy liar? <laughs> he's, a, he's a truth bender, that's for sure. <laughs> Some, sometimes it's it's sometimes it's necessary to not tell the truth what do you think is the biggest lie he told anybody mm. uh I, it's got to be right that that um 
Darth Vader killed his killed Luke's father. Yeah, but he wasn't alive though. Again, it's a bendy Wait. bendy. It's flexible. <laughs> it's a flexible moral code at that point. Like, how did he think that was going to play? Like, like uh, the the pupil of mine who you know ceased to be. You know how how does that play? Like, uh, Darth Vader betrayed and murdered your father like there's nothing technically untrue about that but how do you do the mental gymnastics to tell a kid like yeah your father i knew him he got murdered he's dead when he's really not like that's well but he was is that morally at, okay he was looking at anakin that anakin was killed by darth vader he lost his friend he's lost his his padawan his okay his the person he looked at like a brother so he lost all that and then this other figure came to be Anakin no longer existed and that was killed by Darth Vader so I know it's bendy bendy I understand that and I don't I don't disagree with it but for for Obi-Wan to comprehend it or to get on with his life in the desert for the next 40 years or 20 years or whatever it is it's kind of a story he had to tell himself well and you also have to consider the alternative right like he is suddenly there with Luke and has to explain how he knows Luke's father. But I would certainly be reluctant to go, oh, BT dubs, your father is now the most, most horrible human in the galaxy. I would have a problem with that. That would be difficult to do. Yes. <laughs> Especially when they don't really know each other at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've had some a few hours together, but it's not like they have a depth of connection. Well, and... Let's be honest here. Luke had never heard of Darth Vader before that moment either. Right. Right. So it's not like him saying, like, your father ceased to be the person I knew and trained and loved and became Darth Vader. Like, that would have no resonance to Luke. Well, telling him that Darth Vader was his dad sends Luke on a path right away that this is his dad. Like Exactly. The, the story had to play out, not him going after Darth Vader. He's trying to save the princess first. Right. At that point, Luke would go, well, then I'm going to go find my dad and yeah. everything falls apart. And we're going to play space baseball. <laughs> what about, what do you think, Brian? Um, man, I, it probably is that. I mean, I, 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 I think everything else is just sort of a difference of opinion. Like who, who does Obi-Wan think the chosen one is? I don't think there is a right or wrong answer to that. So if he thinks it's Anakin or he thinks it's Luke or Luke thinks it's Ben or whatever, I don't think there is a correct answer. And I think the Jedi, I think that's one of the smartest things about the prequels is George Lucas giving this, giving us an allegory and like, Hey, prophecies are BS. Forget about them. You know, the other thing, Brian, real quick is it's just, it's, that whole that whole conversation with Luke, it's another example of Obi-Wan being in a situation by himself without any kind of guidance from anybody else and him doing the best he could in that moment that he thought was probably the best thing to do going, you know, to get you a little bit further advanced, you know? So, like, we would all have a problem telling him, hey, yeah, you're, there's this guy with Darth Vader. He's a bad dude, and that's your dad. So yeah. don't yeah. be your dad. Well, no, I think it was definitely smarter for Obi-Wan to build up the feelings of warmth for his fa father in that moment. Yeah. But long term, that caused some problems. It did, but it also helped Luke feel some love for him to try to bring him back from the dark side. Which, if that no, wouldn't that's happen, true. if that that's wouldn't happen, true. then, you know, Emperor wins. Which is interesting. Other... Does, 
does Obi-Wan know that's what he's doing? I think he does. Is he planting the seed of like, man, there's part of me that really hopes there's a shred of no. Anakin left in there. He had a lot of no, time to think about it. In Return of the Jedi, he flat out says like, I used to think like that. And that's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. need to kill him. Yeah, And it was right. Luke who chose his own path, which is really fascinating to me. I think the other most benign lie that he told is that Anakin wanted him to have his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, your dad totally wanted you to have this. Like, I'm not going to mention how I got it. Yeah. At all, because that was horrible. I don't want you to know that about me, Luke. Yeah, that's a whole thing too, right? Like, this Luke ever get the full story on that battle where Obi-Wan has is the one that dismembered his father I, I would I would have to assume that Luke after the battle of Endor has to sit down and have frank conversations with the ghosts of Luke <laughs> or with Anakin <laughs> Obi-Wan and Yoda right yeah. like there's no way he doesn't get further instruction from them he finds it out, and what if that's one of the reasons why he decides to be the last Jedi? Like this well, is yeah, garbage, I mean, and that could be. But I think Yoda's philosophy—we've seen Yoda's philosophy bending this way toward uh, Luke ending the Jedi through the course of Rebels, where Yoda's really giving Luke this idea that like how you win is as important as winning. And Ezra's just like, no, we just we just need to do what we need to do to win because fighting the Empire is right. It doesn't matter what we're doing. And that's like Saw Gerrera level stuff. Yeah. Right. And Luke, um, you know, he's I, I think Obi-Wan and Yoda are the ones who sort of bring him to that place. Like he's he's meditating on a Jedi temple, right? Like we know Obi-Wan's spirit is still out there. He's talking to Rey. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Which was an amazing moment, I think, of the sequel trilogy. That's one of my favorite moments, is hearing him call her name out and tell her that these are her first steps. Yeah, That was, I think, one of the most powerful moments in that movie, aside from Han Solo getting run through by his jerk son. <laughs> <laughs> See, now Han was a terrible father. It wasn't, it wasn't. He tried to make up for it with Ray. Yeah, yeah some, but that was like some people are not equipped for parenthood. Yeah, no, I think if if there's one person in Star Wars that I think like that dude would make a terrible parent, it would be Han Solo. Yeah, that's valid. He passed along some nice hair though, like genetically. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Just a mess of a dad though. But so really quickly before we have to to run out though, we haven't I haven't asked you uh, favorite Obi Wan scene from the classic trilogy. Oh, it's the cantina for me. Absolutely. Well, of course you'd say that. Greedo's in that scene. Hello? See, if we get Obi-Wan in the desert story, maybe we get a little bit of Greedo. Hello. That is true. I, um, cantina scene, there's, there's two parts in that, the cantina scene that are, that are good. I like, but I would have to say of the two, my favorite would be him talking with Han Solo and Chewie. I do like the at the bar scene, but yeah, in the cantina, for sitting at the table with Chewie. And Han and discussing how much it's going to cost to get to where they need to go. I think for me, it's the it's his monologue about the Jedi and and Anakin in his hovel to Luke. You know that whole for over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Yeah, but he's before so full of it sometimes. Before the Empire, 
Like that whole scene just gives me chills the whole way through, especially like every time we have a new Star Wars movie and I go back and watch that scene and see more context or every time I watch more Clone Wars and get more context to that, like the more history we get, the more chills that scene gives me. I'd also like to see him interacting with more sand people. If by interacting, do you mean slaughtering? Not slaughtering, but apparently they can get a, get one up on him if he's saying we got to get out of here before they get their courage back and come back. Well, that's because he's not going to pull out his lightsaber and murder them all like his prior apprentice. Well, we done. know that that doesn't really work that well. <laughs> that kid was nuts. That kid had some issues. I I think we, you know, next time we do an episode on Anakin, we can just talk about his issues. And it's not Obi-Wan's fault. It's not. Well, no, I think Obi-Wan was put in a bad position with Anakin across the board. Yeah. Like, I'm not ready to be a a Jedi Knight or uh, the master to a Padawan, but because my old master made me promise that I would, I'm ready to walk away from the Order in order to do this anyway because I have that much loyalty to him. Yeah. And he disagreed with the whole Anakin as a Padawan thing initially. Yeah, he did. It was his unflagging trust in Qui-Gon. Yep. Yeah. Obi-Wan trying to do the right thing and it not working out so right. So it's all Qui-Gon's fault is what we're saying. Pretty much. Man, we need to do do an episode on (laughs) Qui-Gon. And all of Anakin's issues. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel better having this conversation about Obi-Wan. And and for anybody out there, remember, like, nothing is confirmed yet. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, back to that. For all we know, it'll be some the third standalone will be something completely different. We just have no idea yet. It's yeah, it's going to be a Monty Python Star Wars spoof called, and now for something completely different. There you go. I'd, I'd watch it. It's just Ugnots and Ugnot Circus. Brian's kidding. It's don't make it news. <laughs> no, remember that circus? That circus in the Youngling episodes with the Ugnot yeah. who was a clown. Yeah. Man, I'd love a movie of those guys. Mm, not maybe a whole movie. Maybe a scene. Movie. <laughs> Why can't we have like some Bergman-style circus performers like the Seventh oh. Seal with the clown Ugnot and like death chasing our hero? Because nobody likes clowns or circuses, Brian. That's not true. Seventh Seal is so good. We could have Lor Santeca in it as well. Everything will come full circle. It'll be great. <laughs> Do you not ever sleep at night? Is this just the stuff that keeps you up all night long? What? That I want an Ingmar Bergman style Star yeah. Wars film with yeah. a clown Ugnaught yeah. and uh, death chasing a Jedi Knight? Yes. These ideas keep me up at I was night. I say, it's crazy. You're, in- you're insane. But that's okay. So homework for everybody else from this episode. Watch Shane and the Seventh Seal. Yeah. Do that. Brian, why don't you tell people about your stuff? that you've been doing lately? Um, I've been doing a lot of writing. Uh, I've been writing for HowStuffWorks and StarWars.com. You can find my stuff on those websites. Uh, you can find my writing at BrianYoungFiction.com, and you can find me talking about everything at, uh, at SwankMatron on Twitter. And uh, you, can, you can get a subscription to my short stories at uh, Patreon.com forward slash SwankMatron. That that's a dollar a month. That's like you buying me three cups of coffee a year to get a subscription to a short story. So you get a short story for me every month. That's not a that's not a bad deal. 
No. Or two or two cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, or two cocktails, which you're probably gonna buy me at Dragon Con or one of these other cons anyway. That's not true. I'll probably buy you one. Are you talking to me Somebody. specifically? No, he's talking no, about, not you. Talking <laughs> about people. Yeah, Holly, you owe me some cocktails. I do owe you some no, cocktails. We're going to see each other in a couple weeks. I know. I'm pretty excited about that. And then again in a few weeks after that. Yeah. It's it's a lucky time in my life. Save yeah. your money. Brian wants his drinks. Right? <laughs> what about you, Holly? Where where people find your stuff? Uh, I am at Surliest Girl on Twitter. My day job podcast, Stuff You Missed in History Class, can be found at MissedInHistory.com. Uh, Brian and I co-host a fake history show called Fothentic History, which you can find at FothenticHistory.com or on Twitter as at Fothentics. I think that covers the basis. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Um, TheMike.com. There's things there from the past. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, do so by using the SpeakPipe app on our website, which is FullAssist.com, or you can just record it on your device and email to us at Holocron at com. We also can... Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Full of Sith, at the mic, at Swankmatron, at Surliest Girl. Also, Facebook.com slash groups slash Full of Sith and sp- Facebook.com slash Full of Sith is places that you can go like and get in on conversations and all that stuff. iTunes, Stitcher reviews, all that good stuff, too. We appreciate it. And um, that's it. That's going to be it for this episode, 230. I'm not going to make another bad joke about it. From my uh, great co-host, Holly Fry and Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you always. If you're not meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.